Hey everyone, this is episode four of Chalk Talk Insurance. We're, um, today's topic is life insurance. Welcome back, episode four, guys. Here we are. Yeah, trucking hey. along. Um, big topic today. Um, important topic. Today. Life insurance. Life insurance. Like it. It's important. Everybody needs it. We sell it. Um, talk about. I thought we'd first talk about your experience with life insurance. Maybe talk about your process with life insurance. Any stories that you have where life insurance was important? I thought we'd start there. And any other questions come up in move forward? Sure. Mike, you want to start? Sure. Um, Mike, you sure he knows anything? Yeah, I know I a little bit about life I think insurance. He's not the insurance mamba. So. Yeah. Not the insurance We're going to get the jack last. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How much time do we have left for that? <laughs> Three minutes. Three minutes? Mm-hmm. Okay, Merrick. Okay, uh, Merrick. <laughs> Well, my process on life insurance is uh, pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot of time on uh, proposals or, or things mm-hmm. like that. I simply uh, looking to educate clients on need and product type. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a little bit on time of what I call uh, life insurance 101, and I talk a little bit about the benefits of term and whole life right. and why most of my clients benefit from having both types. Mm-hmm term is great because you can get a lot for a little mm-hmm. um, but sooner or later it gets taken away from you a uh, whole life will be the policy that you have most likely when you die uh, so you better have some mm-hmm. uh, builds cash value along the way but death benefit continues to grow while your term continues to be eaten up by inflation mm-hmm. people don't understand that that you know a million dollars is really not a million dollars 30 years later it's right. 500 right so we always kind of start with that foundation of education. Um, and then I kind of talk a little bit about some hybrid products here and there, why I don't like them, specifically Universal Life, because I've been cleaning up dying UL policies for the last 18 years. Uh, they were sold when interest rates were 12 and 14%. Everybody right. thinks that they're still gonna operate that way. So I don't really like some of those hybrid products. I like the safety and security of the term and the whole life because they're kind of fixed for certain periods. Easier conversation to have with people. I know it depends on the person, really. Because yeah. Farm Bureau starts, has three products, right? They got the whole life, term, return and premium, right? Do you start one place with everybody or do you go through what the need is? Or yeah, I... I, I basically say, hey, here's what term does, here's what whole life does. Sometimes I think you really need a little bit of both. Do we always get that done today? Or are we starting with term today in the hopes of getting a piece into whole life at some point in the future? Mm -hmm. If the budget allows for it today, setting some amount for that. If it doesn't allow, uh, getting the most coverage that they can have that fits in their budget. Um, Or even multiple term policies. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, had a lot of clients that have liked kind of I call it kind of staggering yeah. or uh, where you've written a, a 10 a 20 and a 30 mm-hmm. and you can say hey you know what your total amount of coverage is a million dollars should we have some for 10 years some for 20 years and some for 30 years because if you're still here in 10 years and you had that income you've also made that money you've also mm-hmm. saved you've also paid down debt will you need that much coverage in your years going forward Sometimes the answer may be yes, sometimes the answer may be no. But if not all of your coverage is expiring at the same time, 
you then can do a good job of educating them and say, okay, if your 10-year term expires in 10 years and we only have to replace that one because your 20 and your 30 are still in force, then it's not such a big deal. Right. And then you have an option to convert. Always have an option of convert. Yeah. Convert. So that is kind of how I've approached my first basic conversations with people. Kind of started that way. Insurance Mamba? <clears throat> Typically, half my uh, cases come after I've written their auto and their house insurance. Right. And you guys both know the, 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 uh, the verbiage that I typically use. And I'll say, is your mortgage paid if you're dead? And I'll look directly at the wife. Because the wife makes 85% of the life insurance decisions in the household. And then I'll look at uh, the husband and I'll say, how much life insurance do you have? If they say no, how much life insurance do you have? And if he says, all right, maybe the example would be 200000 And I say, well, how much money do you make? Well, I make $80,000. I'll look at the wife and says, you've got money for two and a half years if he dies. And then I'll look at the wife and say, well, how much money do you make? She'll say, I make 60000 How much coverage do you have? I have 150000 right? Look at the husband and says, you have enough money for two and a half years if you lose your wife. Would it make sense for me to put three ideas on one sheet of paper for you, and how about if we meet the same time next week? If they come back, the chances of us helping them with something is eight out of 10. The kind of coverage doesn't matter. It, uh, if that per, if that family came back and we can, uh, eighty and sixty thousand, I would have uh, on one sheet of paper term insurance, whole life, return of premium, adding up all the premiums and showing the equity. Uh, and then I'd also have probably a million dollars of term insurance, good, better, best. Right. And, uh, and and what I simply do is I put it right in front of them. And the most important thing for insurance agents to do once that happens is to shut up and wait for them to talk. Now, if you have problems waiting to talk, start counting to yourself in your head. And I've been up to 60 and 70 and <laughs> driving myself crazy, waiting for them to say something. The first person that talks loses. If you talk first, you distract them. If they talk first, you know that they're engaged and, and, and ready to uh, ask questions and, and are seriously giving consideration to what you're offering. I also kind of work backwards on some of that too. Um, a lot of times I will start my conversation and I'll say, hey, you know that you have the need for life insurance. You don't know how much you need. You don't know how much it's going to cost. Let's start our application process and get to the bottom of both of that. Where you qualify. Where you qualify. <clears throat> so I can show you all the proposals you want to see or have all the conversations, but it doesn't matter if you're not eligible. Right. And a lot of people I've found are receptive to that because you haven't committed to anything other than really doing the blood work and, and whatnot. But on the other aspect of it is, is that I find that once people have actually committed and have gone through that, mm -hmm. they start to see the benefit and they say, okay, I've already done this. I really do need some. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a preferred rate. It becomes uh, a commitment that they've engaged in, and I find that my placement rate's very high, and my retention, you know, is very good. Right. So, well, I also one of the things that's important is if a client's hesitating, I'll say, you know, you don't, we just don't hand you this stuff. You just you don't get to say yes yet. Yeah, we have to want you first. Once we want you, we'll uh, we'll come up and say, yeah, we want you. Do you want us? Because we have to go through all the stuff to make sure 
that, that uh, we want you first. And typically when, when you take something away from somebody, they think about it harder and it makes more sense for them to consider. What about the, um, some people, they say, oh, I got life insurance through work. Isn't that enough? I have three, five, ten times my salary. Isn't that enough? It's a benefit. I pay an extra into my check every month. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I think it's, you get that response. I think it's perfect until you leave the job and go start another one. And if you're uninsurable, what are you going to do? Even if the life insurance policy is portable. Um, and most aren't. Most aren't, but there are companies out there yep. that are. Yeah, um, I agree. I know that uh, MetLife does uh, GM's benefit plans, yep. and those are portable, but not portable at the rate that they're currently paying. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had a conversation with one of the MetLife um, advisors who oversees part of the GM program. They're down in St. Louis a client that we were placing some business for and they said well yeah it's portable but it leaves and it goes and it changes to this rate and oh by the way every zero and five years so when the client turns 50 or 55 or 60 whenever that is it jumps again so those things they sound great yeah. and I refer to them as the gravy if you die and you had it it's the gravy it shows up, you didn't really pay that much attention, you weren't paying that much for it, but some amount of your life insurance plan should be controlled by you, where you're the only one that has to make the decision. Um, we call them unilateral contracts, because you would be the you being the insured, you're the one that makes all the decisions. Once it's in place, company can't make any more decisions. Their, their, their chance to make the decision ended when they issued the policy. And correct me if I'm wrong, most work life insurance is mostly accidental death. No, no, no. What about? Depends on the situation. Depends you, on the situation. If you okay. go to, if you go like in Dionia, where the uh, a lot of the guys are are uh, working in the prison system, yep. that they get a certain amount of life insurance and they get in. They'll uh, get the AD and D too, which is much larger mm -hmm. while they're at work. Okay, while they're at work, but typically, uh, you know, you remember that. Um, I've only ever paid one accidental death claim in my entire career. They're paid maybe three out of a hundred deaths because you got to remember what's inside that AD&D policy it says if you live if you're in an accident or or in a car accident whatever the case may be a lot of times car accidents are excluded just like you're saying yeah. well or if you live more than 30 60 90 or 180 days it, the AD&D doesn't come into play so, so maybe so. let's get a little technical and say you know with a client when they choose term or whole life and what the difference is and why you would tell they would encourage them just to do term. I know you tell the client to, it's their choice and what they want to do. But how do you help them decide which one? Well, I think the the most important thing for the client uh, is the coverage. Let's start there. Second of all, you have to find the product that fits them perfectly financially. You, you I always do. If the client says I can afford five hundred dollars a month, I'll say, Why don't we start with four hundred? Because typically the client wants to be able to afford everything, whatever it is, whatever the number is, they want to, they want to think they can afford it. Well, typically everybody has a car payment, a house payment, da 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 da. And if I typically take a little less than what they're suggesting, they know I'm I'm really more interested in their financial well-being. And then when it comes to term and whole life, 
I'll just, I'll, it's pretty simple. Do you want the product where you get your money back plus interest on or not? You want equity like your house and your life insurance product, or do you want it to be like your car insurance, where you get nothing back if nothing happens? And it, it, and some will say, can I see it? And I'll, I'll say, sure. So you, get, you let them look at something, or you'll say, all right, if you give me a dollar and, and a whole life plan, first year I'm going to put 25 cents in a pot of money over here for you. Next year, it's going to be 30 cents if you give me a dollar. Next year, it's going to be 65 cents if you give me a dollar. Next year, it's going to be 85 cents if you give me a dollar. And each year, each year after that, we're going to put a dollar plus in this policy for you. That's your money whenever that you want it. And the nice thing is, if something happen, happens to you, a large amount comes out income tax-free to your family, over and above the 100000 or 200000 or whatever the number you come up with. So how do you um, determine... The term, like let's say you're doing term insurance. Okay. How do you help with your clients determining how much coverage is enough? Um, or sometimes they come in and say, I want this much. What's the price? And then add in years, 10, 20, 30. You talked about how sometimes they need 30 year, or 20 year. How do you decide how many of those and then when it should fall off? Uh, I base it a little bit on where they are in their life and how old their kids are a lot of times and what level of debt they're currently have and what their income is. So a lot of times you can go, all right, you make $100,000 a year and your kids are already 10. The likelihood that you're going to be paying for them for the next 12 to 13 years is pretty high. We should make sure that we have at least enough coverage at $100,000 a year for the next 20 years. So you can kind of start formulating uh, face value numbers that way. Um, Sometimes if they're a lot younger than that, you can use the plan where you're stretching policies out for the 10, 20, and 30. If clients are on, I don't want to call it the back end, but you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, Um, I start talking 10 years and then more whole life because you know that those policies are going to expire before they do. I mean, you just, you just know. Um, and by the time the company has done the work, they know that there's a better chance that they're going to be around and those terms are going to expire and they're going to be left without or options to convert. They're over 65. So we start talking more of the whole life. Hey, you can buy a 10-year term today, but you better get some whole life before age 65. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I approach some of those conversations. But I don't think it's uncommon to look at 20 times income. Um, yeah. I like to use approach. Well, there's a number of approaches, but if it, when it comes to a family, I ask a simple question. <clears throat> or I make a statement that says, there's one way of doing this is that some families want to make sure that all the bills are paid off. Mm-hmm. On the other side, there's the family that wants to continue the lifestyle to which they've become accustomed to. And then there's everything else in between. The simple approach is if uh, uh, one spouse makes $100,000, I'll just say, all right, $2 million at 5% interest creates $100,000 a year. And the spouse that's left would undoubtedly would like that $100,000 to continue to come in for the rest of their life. It's pretty simple. The other thing I talk about is what road of society do you want to go down? I say, if you don't buy any life insurance, and I've had this happen where, where somebody dies, husband dies, and the wife has to move out of the house because they can't afford the house, they lose the house, they move in with somebody. Uh, maybe the, the wife 
marry somebody they don't want to marry, but for security concerns for the children, they do this. And he ends up being a bad guy. So the children grow up in a bad household. They start alcohol and drugs at a younger age. They have children before you want them to have children. And it takes three generations to fix that. Now, the family that has life insurance <clears throat> and, and takes the $100,000 or $2 million at 5% interest and this $100,000 continues to come in, well, the spouse that's left can decide when they want to get married or if they want to get married, okay? And these children grow up well. They have a chance to go, uh, uh, go to college. They get good grades. They, they finish college, get a degree. They meet somebody that's probably a professional. And they get married and they start a life that has a great chance of succeeding. And it takes three generations to screw that up. So which route of society do you want to go down? Not bad. It's 39 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right there. I'd buy some from you. Yeah, I would too. I would too. Oh, wait, I have. I have. I have. I thought we'd transition maybe to more a little more sales tactic, too, as well. Because I know you talked about most of your opportunities are coming from auto and home. Half. Yeah. Yeah. What about when they're already there? Maybe you first get a no. You call them a year later. What do you do in that situation? Well, it depends. Well, if they a lot of times you have the clients come in um, for a review. Maybe you look at their policy and say, "Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it make sense to have a review?" And they did. And I said, "You know, and, I, this might, and I've had all these already when it comes to the new law coming in. And you talk about uh, uh, need more liability coverage and, and the reasons for having an umbrella now. And, and by the way, you know, we talked about uh, your life insurance a couple of years ago. To make sense for uh, us to have a discussion about it. And if they say no. The answer is, have you bought any insurance in the last couple of years? Because the last time I, I talked to you, this is where you, you stood, and now you have two more kids. Does it make sense to us to have a dis, a more of a, uh, of a discussion on it? If they say no, you end the discussion and you move on. But uh, a lot of times, you know, I have, you, when you have people that uh, have 10, 20-year term policies that are coming up for review again, you get them in and, and have another discussion about it as well. The other thing that you can do is the people that have term insurance for you, you can call them up and say, would it make sense for us to review this? Isn't it about time you get rid of your fake policy and get a real one? And if they ask, they'll, they'll say, what's that? I says, isn't it about time you get a policy, you get your money back plus interest on? And a lot of times they'll at least come in and listen to it. Doesn't mean they'll always buy, they've still got the coverage, but they'll at least, they'll at least listen. Are you similar with the review style? Um, I'm not probably as good at it. Um, I'm better Well, I'm at, an insurance mama. Yeah, insurance mama. Um, I am probably better at, uh, or the thing I pay try to pay attention to is my expirations when they're, uh, when they are expiring and trying to rewrite and, and do those conversions. One of the things that I'm noticing from when I started in the business is that everybody I knew when I was starting in the business was 23, 25, right. 28 young, healthy, going to live forever. 18 years later, everybody who was super preferred 18 years ago are standard today. Because they gain weight? Or? Gain weight, <laughs> medication. Yeah. Less hair. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, life has changed. Yeah. Life changed on them. Mm -hmm. and Bigger feet. You know, when, you're, when you're going back and you're, you're trying to rewrite some of those and you're explaining that you're no longer a preferred risk anymore, you're a standard risk at best, and we were lucky to probably get that with the medications that you're on. Um, that is that is presented a challenge because 
inside they haven't changed or excuse me in their mind they haven't changed but on the outside they've changed a lot and uh, that has been one of the things that I have to do a little bit better job on is trying to um, educate and get those conversions to where people are understanding that hey you know what you're not always going to be this healthy person you better get your conversion and your permanent insurance in right away because when your terms start expiring and they change to the annual renewable term you're not going to like that rate they designed that rate to be expensive because if you're willing to pay it you're not healthy well one of the things that old dudes like me have is a whole bunch of people that are in their 50s and 60s and what happens i met with a couple last week and husband's uninsurable wife has term insurance and i said you're gonna be 65 in march I said, if we're going to do any conversion and you want insurance for more than eight more years and then have to requalify in your 70s, we need to do this. He goes, how much? I said, this. I gave him two different rates. He goes, that's a what? What do you call that? That's a conversion. He goes, he said, three grand, four grand? Okay, we can do that. But they, they understand it. The people that are uninsurable really understand yeah, They want it. Well, and you have the I have a gentleman that I was going out to rewrite, and he had just had bypass surgery, triple bypass surgery, and he was going to come back highly rated, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I wouldn't say highly rated, medium rated, and but the price to convert a certain amount to whole life was the same price, so he said, well, this is silly, and he doesn't have, he didn't have to do anything. We could just convert it. So the the ability to um, take current insurance and make it the kind of way to get their money back plus interest on and they get an increasing death benefit, uh, it still makes sense in, in, in their later years. People in their 50s, 60s, and 70s still buy life insurance. I just did an application on an 81-year-old yesterday. And I did an 80-year-old earlier in the year, and we got a standard rate. Wow. So you do get them every so often. And they still have needs. And guess what? There's a lot of 60- and 70-year-old people that have mortgages on their homes that I never saw when I was a, when I was a much younger man. So the need, the need is there. What about children policies, the importance of having life insurance on a child. Someone from that knows nothing about insurance would be like, why would I need insurance on my child? I've heard that before. My, my conversation starts with that, and I always bring that up. That's something I've kind of always done in my career. Um, I have policies on my kids, have since they were 14 days old, which is when you're allowed to write a policy on them. Um, back in those days, it was all about policy count and and making sure I was doing what I needed to do. So you have 37 policies on your kids? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. 52. 52. Not, not, not anymore. They changed the contract. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, now it's become uh, because of uh, family who has had things like peanut allergies mm -hmm. and because of uh, seeing life happen and change that you can now kind of educate clients and say, hey, look, this isn't because you need life insurance on your kid if something happens today. This is for when your child is 40 years old and has a family of their own and maybe doesn't have the resources that you have today and they want to volunteer and go into um, you know, whatever kind of job they want and they don't have the resources that you have coverage in place that takes care of them and their family, not for today, but for down the road. 
and you're going to start today because we're going to lock that rate in and that policy is going to grow and it's going to have cash value but you're going to do it because it's going to protect your child's future and it's going to be for their family and a lot of people like that idea a lot of people say okay i can see the value in having that so if your parents would have started one 30 years ago, you'd probably have fifteen dollars or $20,000 of cash in it today, and it would be an asset that you'd be able to leverage if you ever needed it for life. For life. For life. So that, those, are how, those are how that conversation goes. And, you know, as our product has changed, some of those conversations are easier. And then sometimes, you know, when the, the policy hasn't performed or they've changed it, you know, sometimes it's harder to show the value. But, uh, you know, you can always ask the conversation. Yeah. Well, they, what you guys don't see, what, what I've gotten to see, is that you insure children when they're really little, like when they're two months old and all of a sudden six months, nine months, a year, this child isn't advancing, and all of a sudden you find that there's a, they have an illness that yeah. uh, uh, nobody knew about and they're never going to advance very far in, the, in their life. And the need for that life insurance policy is going to be there their entire life and you did the right thing at the beginning. Yeah. You have that. The other thing that you talked about that I've always believed in is that all children should have life insurance. It's portable, you can have it their entire life, it's at an inexpensive price, and it stays there their entire life. The other thing that my children have benefited from is that I had life insurance policies on them since they were the time that they were born, and we've been able to use them for, if I needed it for college. I remember taking the money out to, for college, and then all I did over a year period is pay it back. Uh, for, uh, um, and for Elena, we didn't need that, so we were able to pay for her wedding with it. Uh, and guess what? In over an 18-month period, I paid it back. Sure. And then as they've gotten older, I finally gave it to them to let them do whatever they wanted with, with them, and it gives them assets automatically, uh, net worth-wise, increases, and they have the right to do whatever they want with that money. And it's my way of just being able to give them something uh, early on versus after I'm gone. I have a, you guys told all the stories. I'm going to tell a story sure. about children. In January, I've talked to you about this a little bit. One of my very first clients when I started, I went and met with them about life insurance twice. Twice. They went through the process twice. Um, didn't like the rate. Essentially told me no. Um, got a phone call. Sitting at work. Directly to my cell phone, which I don't give out much anymore, but it was from her. She found her husband dead at the end bottom of the stairs. Massive heart attack. That was a tough one. It was my very first one where that happened. And I have life insurance on her son and his wife. And I went and met with them in January of this year. So I called them up and I said, hey, what do you think about putting life insurance on your kids? We come meet. He said, yeah, we'll at least look at it. And he lives with his mom. And went over there. We talked. And I gave him all their options. He's like, oh, I'll take a look. And I said, you really should think about doing this for your kids now. And he says, okay, give me about a week and I'll let you know. I sit there and I'm not saying nothing. The mom walks into the kitchen where we're sitting. She says, hey, CJ, you can come to tell them about their children's life insurance? He said, yeah, we're gonna take, he's going to take a little bit of time. Give me about a week. She says, nope, he's doing it right now. Signed that day, signed up the kids. She knew how important it was. Sure. The... The advantage that I have over the two of you is time and ex experience with death claims. Yeah. And the the the, the worst the, the the biggest claims aren't your worst claims. The the ones the hardest is when the parents. I had one where the child the 
going down Grand River, outside of Eagle. This is before seatbelts. Daughter did a 360 on a slippery part of Grand River, hit a tree, which she would have walked away from if she'd worn her seatbelts, and she put her ribs through her lungs. We paid out, this is a group benefit, we paid out like $50,000. Parents come in and it's awful because they had lost their son around the corner two miles away from that seven years earlier. These people are, are out of their minds. And I'm bawling as, after they leave. Six months later, the company calls me up and said, we forgot the AD&D part. So I have to, they, they send me the money and I have to open that wound six months later all over again. And they come in and they ball and so do I when they leave. The, when you're talking about children, your ch you, know, you think about your children, sure. I think about you as my children, it, it, it's the worst. However, I've also seen it where, I'm, I can tell this story. I had a young man in my uh, office, he was 36 years old, and I had a million dollars approved and he was balking. December 18, 2001. And I get a, a call from my cousin and uh, he tells me that my mother had died. And this is after my dad and my brother had died. And I sit down and he goes, you're completely white. I said, my mother died tonight. He writes the check and he leaves, done. Well, three and a half years later, his wife finds him dead in bed. I'm at the funeral home and the wife's mother is talking to all these people saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do, she's got three kids, she's not gonna be able to afford the house, she's going to have to move in with me, I don't know what I'm gonna do, da 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 da, and I, called her by name and I said, can I see you for a minute? And I moved her into a room and I said, sit down and shut up. And she's beat red, ready just to beat me to a pulp. I said, sit down and shut up. And she goes, okay, Jack, why am I here? And it's the only time I've ever broke confidence in my company's history. I said, there's a million dollars. She goes, from who? I said, from me. She stands up, she hugs me, she smiles, she walks back into the funeral home, and seven days later I pay out a million five thousand dollars. Now the beauty of it is he had they had a sixteen year old, a thirteen year old, and a three year old. And I had a conversation with her and says, I don't care what you do with this money. I said, she said, I thought it was a lot of money until now that I have it. I said, You have to live on this. I said, Keep working. They said, I can this investment guy, this investment guy, five, five to six, seven percent interest, they can do that right now, and you'll get sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year and you'll be fine. However, if you pay the house off and you said you what you owe two hundred thousand, you're gonna only have eight hundred thousand left. You can owe fifty thousand on the cars, yeah. A quarter million dollars of your money is gone, twenty five percent, if you paid it all off. Be smart with your money. Well, it's nineteen years later, she's still doing great. The kids are doing great. And I got the great opportunity to watch a million dollars work in action for a family. I get the advantage of experience and time to be able to see these things happen. Yeah. That's a solid story. I don't, I don't know what know to where, say anymore. <laughs> I don't know where to go. The only there. pivot I, I would do from that is with all of that being said, people that are interested in life insurance 
two things. What do they have to do to get the best rating they can get? And then what... Lifestyle-wise? Lifestyle-wise, and then why do we decline people? What are the reasons that people are declined? Well, let's talk about the first one first. The best rating they possibly get is, is probably where they're at at Today. the moment. Now? No, at the moment. Everyone says, well, if I lose 30 pounds and then six months later, you lost the weight? No. They don't want to buy life insurance anyway. Mm -hmm. Best time to purchase that stuff is actually yesterday. It's actually yesterday. So the, so the, my question, the, the, my answer to the, that question is, is today. Fair enough? Everybody yeah. agree? Yeah. And why do they, why do they turn down policies? Mm -hmm. For a thousand different reasons. A thousand different reasons. Okay. Um, maybe you scuba dive to the, to the bottom of the ocean. Maybe you skydive. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the, I've, I had 22 declines last year, so I mean, I'm learning more than anybody. There's lots of reasons that we're declining, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, the diabetes is more common, mm -hmm. um, and depending on the severity of diabetes and the type of diabetes, uh, you've got all sorts of real life problems that people are dealing with, and uh, learning every day uh, about what is happening. One of my death claims that we paid that I didn't even know was a, a, an issue, we paid it two years ago, was global ischemia, which is when somebody has a heart catheterization and the blood clot goes up through the back of the head and uh, chokes you off right uh, at the base of the skull in a blood clot and you're instantly dead. And, uh, um, you know, had, had lots of declines for, you know, heart disease and, and other things or or the, really more than anything now is not taking the recommendations of their doctors to get further testing done and procrastinating, prolonging. We will absolutely not issue policies if doctors have ordered other results and tests and things to be done and haven't been done or followed up on. That's so, a really good point. I had a $50,000 single premium decline because she hadn't gone back to the doctor to finish a test. Yeah. And that was it. She just said, nope, once he does the test, we'll, re we'll reconsider. And the time I scheduled a call her next week said, did you do your, did you do your damn test? <laughs> but if your A1Cs, you get, you get over seven, you get close to eight, nobody's going to issue you a nope. policy. I don't care how good you think you are. Nope. You know, A1C, they want in the sixes. Um, um, height and weight matters. It, I, what most people don't understand about life insurance is they debit and credit things. If you're if you're if you're a little heavy here, you know, you're 20 pounds overweight here, but your blood pressure is perfect, they'll debit here and credit here. Okay, if you if you if you if your um, cholesterol level is is a little high, but you exercise every day, it comes into play. So there's a, there's a hundred different things that causes a decline. There's a hundred different things that cause a uh, an okay, but there I mean, you, you can de, de, I mean. I mean, Kyle just had one where guy had gout, so they gave him a uh, a standard rate versus a preferred rate. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one for a travel, a restaurant owner um, in Ann Arbor. Um, travels over to Nepal yep. for three months yep. out of the year, and they charge four dollars per hundred. Well, he, he went. I mean, well, yeah. he went to. He, there's certain parts of Nepal that are more of concern than other parts are. Yeah. For disease. No, for um, there is unrest. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you go to certain parts of Africa, you're never going to get any insurance. 
and we had a case where um, uh, over in, well, this goes back 20, 30 years ago, it was over in Iran or Iraq, that someone was, te was teaching at one of the American universities and there was some, unre uh, some unrest, so they wouldn't issue any life insurance. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why they asked the travel question. Yep. Mm -hmm. The guy took it, though, didn't he? He took it. And the uh, coolest guy I think I've ever met, mm -hmm. him and his wife got married at the top of Mount Everest. Wow. Top of Mount Everest. That's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's cold. It's, it's cold. cold. It's cold. cold. It's I'm, not going, I'm not going up there. Thank you very much. But no, he took the policy. He knew. And most of the time, they know. They know. Yeah, right. 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 The client knows what's, sure they what's going on with their health. Their travel schedule throughout the year, yeah. they know when you come back and you say, "Hey, this is what's going on." Yeah, mo most of the the declines that I had, people people were aware that they had a lot of stuff going on. They were just hoping that they could get a little bit more, yeah, or that they could rewrite it. On the other side, once in a while you get surprised. That's why you send all those applications. As, as once in a while, they 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 say, "Well, we can do that." Come and say, "Yeah, that's not as big a deal as yeah, that." Uh, all of us are making it out to be. Have you ever had? someone go through the process and someone says you need to go to the doctor immediately yes yeah i haven't had one of those. yes mm -hmm. saved their life i don't can't answer that they went to the doctor and they took care of it well i don't know if it saved, saved your life yeah. never had that not yet I'm, I'm sure at some point i will mm -hmm. go to the doctor not don't wait go right now and get there immediately well yeah i've only had it like i've had it about twice any other questions you can think of? I don't have any more questions. Do you guys? Okay. That's the end of episode four, life insurance.